Hello and good evening. It is Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I hope you've had a somber and reflective Truth and Reconciliation Day if you're in Canada. And I'm Dave Mater, coming at you with Star Trek TV and Movie Reviews, Lower Decks, Season 2, Episode 8, I Excretus, is over. But we're just getting started here on Live Long and Podcast. Let's bring in the rest of our panel here to break this all this episode down as it aired uh, well, if you're in the States on Paramount Plus, and if you're in Canada, it's actually going to air late, a little bit later today uh, on the CTV Sci-Fi channel. So we got uh, Jeff Mater with us, my brother. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. Ready to talk about this episode. Yeah, the, the, the naked time. It's naked time! And also joining us is uh, Jeff and I's cousin, uh, Davin Skelhorn out of Nova Scotia and Locuters of Trek, uh, another Star Trek podcast you should definitely check out. How are you doing tonight, Davin? Not too bad. Horses love me. <laughs> That's good. More than they love Mariner. Um, <laughs> Apparently. You know, that wasn't even part of the simulation. And this eighth episode um, is kind of an... I thought it was a pretty interesting one overall. I thought that... Um, Oh, we got we already got one comment. Jeremy's with us tonight. He's he's well, we're, we're he's streaming. Back. He's back. We're streaming here live on Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, and Twitch. Or you might be listening to us in the audio version, uh, wherever you pick up your audio podcasts. So we're gonna be talking about all this episode. This episode was written by um, Ann Kim, who I don't, who I think yeah, he's written at least one other episode before, which was last year's Moist Vessel. So this is Ann's next episode. Uh, which was the fourth episode last year, which got, um, you know, kind of mixed reviews from the panel at the time. Um, not the worst, not the best. And so uh, here we are with I Excretus, which the whole premise of this is that it's, it's, it's the drill instructor is coming to the ship to uh, give the crew some some simulations here to kind of um, teach the lower, well, we, they think, like teach the lower decks what how the other side lives in the senior officers and, and vice versa. Um, and well, before that though, we had the coldest of opens, the coldest of cold opens where the lower decks crew is, uh, our, our, our leads here are sort of abandoned on the outside of the ship as they're, they're doing some kind of work here in like the encounter suits, just to bring that up. Um, what'd you guys think of this cold open with the, uh, with the four lower deckers working on the, some kind of satellite or a pair job. And then there was like, there's a call, a distress call that the, the bridge gets where they're asked to, um, uh, we have to go save this time loop. We're getting a distress call. Oh, we got the same time loop, uh, as a, as a kind of a, a playoff cause and effect. Um, and they get left there for six hours, uh, <laughs> until they're rescued. <laughs> I thought it made sense as a cold open for this episode because they were trying to build that dynamic of that wedge between the upper and lower decks in this episode. And uh, I don't think they'd be leaving the upper deckers on that satellite for six hours. So they no, got the maybe point across, not. I think. But they would have signed out their mag boots, Davin. True, true. I mean, I would. <laughs> I mean. Jeff, uh, do you love Captain Freeman's... Uh, um, ongoing uh, warp, go to warp catchphrases like tonight was warp me, <laughs> warp me. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones. Like they're having fun with it for sure. This was a great episode for me. I enjoyed. This is probably my favorite episode so far of the series. Um, I think the writer um, really had a great, a lot of fun with the dynamic between the upper and lower decks, but also just 
like Star Trek history, like went through a whole bunch of different things that, yeah. you know, where were so great, great references to all, all sorts of different episodes and kind of to me is what the show should be. It should be fun. It should be not too serious and it should, you know, be jammed full with jokes and it made me laugh a whole bunch. And, and Jeff, just to, on that too, um, like this, the the sort of like what this show has sort of uh, maybe different than the other Star Trek series, other than it's animated and it's more comedy focused, uh, is this like this whole, what is it to be a lower decker? What is it to be a senior officer? That What is it, you know, what does it mean? Um, you know, just this idea that the lower decks are expendable. Or maybe that wouldn't have even mattered since lower decks are so expendable to you. Ridiculous. We're all equals on this ship, right? Uh, they sleep in a hallway. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so, um, Jeff, what do you, do you, do you find that compelling or do you, um, you think that that's sort of going to be the just... I think it's just, I don't know if it's compelling, but it's a good dynamic to like have mo motivations for the characters and stuff. But like, I don't know, the stuff that's compelling is like the individual characters and their journeys, like the whole Boimler thing tonight with the Borg, I thought was great. And, and Mariner screwing up over and over and, and having to figure it out with her mom and everything, you know, all that stuff is good for me. It's a, it's not so much the fact that it's the lower decks, upper decks, it's the fact that these sets of four the upper deck people and the lower decks are kind of like bonding at the end of the day. That's really what's going on here. Right. Uh, Davin, um, question here from Jeremy. He's asking, Tendi seems a lot more skilled than just being medically trained. Why is she there? Or why is she there? Um, do you got Do you got a take on this? Well, she's an, she is the uh, mistress of the, uh, winter constellations she is the mistress of the winter constellations as i jump up to the to go get that that clip but uh <laughs> where is it i'll tell you anything for you mistress of the winter constellations so i mean <laughs> jeff you gotta take that on has, this that has to come with a skill set um I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they're just giving Tendi more things. I don't know. This episode had a lot of visual imagery. I don't think we'll ever get out of our minds and ever we'll, we'll never be able to. It's naked time. No. Exactly. Shaxx is back. Shaxx is back and scratched up by, by, by uh, Dr. T Tiana. Um, yeah, like I, I would say that t like Tendi seems to be very knowledgeable, but she's got some interpersonal. Uh, skills that she might need to work on before she can rank up is sort of my take on it. She's so naive and enthusiastic and uh, she's got a lot of good qualities, but like, I think she's also very naive uh, too. Um, and just, yeah. So the whole premise with this episode tonight was are the lower decks expendable? Can they bond together? And we get to meet this, uh, this drill instructor whose name I never quite got uh, in this episode, but She's from a species that is able to separate their head from their torso from their legs in three floating parts. I don't think we've ever seen this species before, Davin, right? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, it was. What did you uh, think about her, this character? Did you see the little arms that like pick up the legs when the legs fall over? No, no. Little uh, little arms come out of the top of the legs and like hold up the leg. It was the weirdest thing. I can that like, you can almost see them there. Like on the side, I think, of her legs. Those little green things on the sides. I think those are arms. Um, it's a very strange species. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, uh, the character's name... Um, yeah, I forget the name of the... 
the they say the alien species name too. Oh, Shari Yen Nem. Yen Nem doesn't quite doesn't quite fall off the the tongues here, but uh, just to bring that up, uh, it's like it's like that. Shari Yen Yem. 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 Uh, Jeff, uh, what did you think of this character? Uh, was a great foil. Was um, necessary to get us to where I wanted them to get us, which was let's go through all these different holodeck programs and really have fun with uh, Star Trek history and Andy's characters too. Jeremy is pointing out to us that this this species has appeared before in actually oh, Star Trek wow. the animated series, which is I, canon. I, um, I stand corrected. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Thank you for pointing that out, Jeremy, because I I'd say of all the canon, the the Star Trek the animated series is the show that I have watched the least, but I Me do too. tend to remedy that. Um I've seen it all, but I don't recall what episode they were from. But I believe him. I believe Jeremy. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> I uh, if you know the name of the episode, Jeremy, uh let us know in the comments. Um yeah. but because I would like to uh to learn more about that. Um and yeah, like I thought that just it's it's not a like a, um it's they jump into the premise pretty quickly, which is all about like okay, you're going to go into this simulation and they're they're kind of switching roles. Uh the whole thing is a ruse for, you know, her to fail them so she can keep her program going or whatever. But we get to meet uh the first simulation we go through is Mariner who goes into the mirror universe and she's like I'm going to uh I'm going to ace this and I am going to uh be off for lunch for the rest of the day and so she gets into this mirror universe situation by the way i just loved seeing like mirror universe versions of these uniforms uh and and, and the cerritos uh i also pulled a clip for um uh what's his name um there was we got to see evil mirror billups and evil mirror rutherford who just talked about how torture is you know is quite a turn on Oh, nothing makes me hornier than torturing someone. I'm horny all the time. And being horny always gets me in the mood to torture. Well, you can lose a whole day to that cycle. <laughs> I get the feeling the writer of this episode shares my dislike for the mirror universe. You dislike the mirror universe? I, I don't like any of those episodes, really. I mean, the one, the Enterprise one's pretty cool, actually. For the most uh, part, I skip those episodes. <laughs> yeah, so you only like the end. I, you know, I think that's maybe the only good episode of Enterprise. But um, uh, I, I did even 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 Mirror Jeff, even Mirror Shacks as a hologram is funny. Who dareth bump into me? Oh, hi, Dareth. I double dog Dareth. Ah! Oh, okay, <laughs> just checking. Just checking. No, he's the best, man. Anytime they can use him, use him uh, as much as possible. He's awesome. Yeah, I just like uh, their double hand smash on his chest too. Like he barely like, acknowledges okay. it, but he's like, "All right, yeah, that's fine." Yeah. <laughs> we also got to meet uh, the 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 mirror Boimler. It's not really the mirror universe; it's just a simulation. <laughs> but uh, the mirror Boimler was quite disturbing. I didn't pull any clips, so to speak, but uh, he was just like, "I either have to impress the captain or kill the captain to get sent to another ship," which is a sneakier know. ship, wasn't it? Or was it no a more sinister ship? That's a it. more sinister ship. That's where you yeah. want to be. You always want to be in the yeah. most sinister ships. Um, <laughs> and so there's kind of this, this rapid fire going around of all these simulations. I think after the mirror one, we get the medical ethics simulation with Tendi, where she has to treat a Klingon who, uh, you know, she's like, I'm not allowed to do harm to you because he wants an honorable death. And so she ends up. Um, that was she a gets, funny. 
Yeah, it just like it's just it just erodes on her very quickly. I, I think I have a photo from that scene. Uh, one Time of life, twenty seven hundred hours. Yeah, here it is. Um, yeah. yeah, which is a reference to the Warp episode where, you know, yeah. I forget what that episode's called, but yeah, like again, like they keep referencing great episodes and just be like, yeah. all right, let's throw him into that situation, and see what you're gonna do, Tendy. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, he wants to die, needs his honorable death. And I just like, I don't know if like it's the they come in in like those red scrubs, you know, the ones from like the te- next generation where it only lets your face come through for some reason. <laughs> um, and you know, everything else is 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 uh needs to be sterilized, I guess. And then, yeah, just this this the nurse who comes in her daughter, or whatever, he's like, We need to give this cling on an honorable death. We have to get this warrior an honorable death stat. Get me 300 cc's of any type of poison. I have to die. <laughs> they have giant hearts. So many backup organs. Sir. <laughs> they have giant hearts. So many backup organs. Because he Killed threw me. his back out picking up a peanut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is embarrassing oh. for a Klingon. That's true. Yeah. No, he needs to die, of course. Uh, you know, look into his eyes and go, ah, as they do. Um, yeah, I thought this simulation was hilarious too. Very quick, very. It was like a series of skits, almost. You know, um, was, yeah. This is maybe the most family like, guy, Family Guy esque episode we've gotten in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was kind of really different. Uh, you know, the most almost like a clip show in some ways, or a montage. The third simulation we got was um, was was the old West Town. Where, where Mariner was was dealing with, uh, it was basically the way of the gun, or was it, is that what the episode's called? The Spectre of the Gun, sorry, the from Spectre, the original series? Yeah. Spectre of the Gun from the original series where they have to like do the whole OK Corral. And she's like, okay, whatever, I'm in old, ta- old West Town. <laughs> this one, she fails even faster than the Mirror Universe one. She gets like, her horse won't even uh, work with her and <laughs> tries to trample her. Turns out that wasn't a rigged, the rigged part of the simulation from the drill instructor. That was just her. I think she but, was just screwing her with her. I, th- I think, I don't know. It would seem too ridiculous. Like she literally <laughs> just got on it and then. Yeah, uh, it was just like, okay, get on this horse. And then it's like, no, you did no, that wrong too. The horse also attacked her. You know, like it was, it was so ridiculous. Yeah. It was Horses kinda, love it was, me. I'm a maverick. <laughs> <laughs> Horses love me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was so that was the third simulation. Not going well for Mariner at this point. And then um, at, at, at the next scene was like a scene with Mariner and Tendy, and uh, we didn't even mention Rutherford actually because he had a whole simulation too, where he blew oh, up, yeah. the, where he was like the chief engineer of um, of like a, like, a, like a constitution class. He was basically like in the like the twenty two nineties or something like that. And it was like he was kind of given like the whole situation where. What that Spock was given in Wrath of Khan, like the ship's about to blow up. What do you do? He couldn't even open the door without burning his hand. And then he tried to use his boots to open the door, but then he blew up the ship. Uh, so did he open the containment unit? Like, didn't yes. he just like let out the explosion? <laughs> yeah, and like I guess like there was no they, they were all programmed to be unwinnable. They were all Kobayashi Marus, I guess. True. Um, you know, they were rigged, so, rigged from the start. Even the one Boimler did was rigged, even though he was doing, he was figuring that out as he was going. But uh, yeah, like just more references, more like jumping around. I like how he had like the ensign and the um, orig- like the the, the, the 
the Wrath of Khan movies uh, uniform. Uh, <laughs> just like the little little banter there was really good. Um, I thought like yeah, like I was mostly like they were they were jumping around so much. I really was enjoying it. Um, yeah, and so they all when the Lower Deckers get together to lament it, they go, "Well, Boimler must be not doing right." But he was doing this whole Borg thing for the whole episode, pretty much. Uh, and you know, he go, he gets seventy nine percent on the first go. He just he phasers a couple Borgs and then he gets out of there. I don't have a Borg picture, but he phasers a few of the Borg and then he like, you know, he keeps going through. He wants to get like, uh, he starts off at 79%. He gets up to 83%. He's, he starts like saving babies, Borg babies, more Borgs. Then he like, eventually, well, eventually is uh, getting into like, I, I taught the Borg queen empathy. And I, I, I <laughs> so stuff because that's, that's Boimler. He just has to be like obsessive and do everything uh, fully through. You, know, you have an interesting design. You look almost human, Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> You've been boimed. Yeah. You've been boimed, Borg Queen. Oh, we got somebody here on Twitch uh, saying, I can't see the... Too fast. Can't see the toys. Go slower with those toys. Uh, sorry. Here's the Borg Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, um, I just, I, I do, like, I'm finding these characters, especially, like, even Boimler, who I didn't really like at the start, more and more endearing. Now, Jeff has pointed out that Boimler is a little bit more like me in real life, so that could have something to do with it. Um, Excellence. He's less excellent. whiny now, though. He's more, <laughs> like, he's actually, like, he's more of a man of action now than he is, like, oh, woe is me, you know, which is... Um, is yeah he's he's more likable in that way and like they're writing him better and they're writing the scenarios of the show a lot better as well like i was like all along with him the entire borg mission like the the one part where like he gets out of there and then like another ship shows up he's like just do what i tell you and he blows up the ship or <laughs> like everything <laughs> with it was really really good right he's he was so um inept i guess in the first season like you're like this guy shouldn't be in Starfleet. Like he's like more so than even Reg Barkley, you know, at the start of his run. Like it seemed like Boimler was even less capable. But now it's like it's 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 they've gone completely the other way with Boimler. He's like he's actually very capable. He's just not a very violent person. He doesn't like I to like that they throw down. I like that they show that his research has like his reach searching and his studious nature has value. Like he was like that in the first season too. It just didn't do any good for him. Where now they're just like, well He's like, well, I know how to deal with the Borg. I've read everything about the Borg, and like, yeah. Well, I like I like that it like, has value because it should in Starfleet. You know, the more you know, the more. Later on, Freeman's me. like, he's one of our best, and yeah. he's like, really? But I think he <laughs> might. I don't know. Like, who's the who is the best on this ship? If it's not him, um, <laughs> uh, shacks. Jacks, I guess. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about the upper deckers because that's kind of the next thing here, guys. Like, uh, I think I kind of was thinking about that the upper deckers all represent a member of the lower deckers. So, obviously, the captain represents Mariner. I think Ransom is like the Boimler. We have Shax is like the Rutherford, and Tiana is like the Tendi. And, and, and they're all different, obviously, but the, they rep, they're, you know, there's two red coats, one yellow, one blue. And to see them kind of interact all together as lower deckers was actually a lot of fun for me in this episode. What, what about you guys? Yeah, I, I really liked this episode in general, and it was fun watching them hang out in the uh, the sleeping quarters. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I think I have a photo of that. Tiana getting some cuddle time there. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Tiana. Uh, so they're Very they're nice. like a full on couple. Those two. 
Are they? Do we know that? Is that? I is think that... so. I Jax think so. never seems to pay too much attention to her, at least not as much as she pays to him. Yeah, but he doesn't seem to not shoot. He doesn't seem to not be into it either. I don't know. It's kind of mm. like <laughs> he has the scratches. He has the scratches. Yeah, and like to your comment earlier, Jeff, I think that like they that there is sort of like this. Uh, there's like the four. Yeah, there's the four senior officers and then we got the um, the four lower deckers and they sort of correspond but it's almost like more like they have horrible bosses you know or dick bosses um because like rutherford doesn't report to shacks he reports no. to phillips right but right. it's um it's yeah like it's almost like how i think with mariner and boimler like they they do correspond to freeman and ransom somewhat but it's not that they are mirrors of each other i think um exactly but i think they are i think they are mirrors of each other uh i I think if you look at like yeah the responsibility and of the captain and then you have mariner as the maverick we have ransom who's the do-gooder like you know the by the the book by the book good-looking guy and boimler is not none of those things but he he and he's always doubted and ransom is never doubted like there's all these different things they are mirrors of each other and oh uh, and shacks and rutherford all have an eye thing yeah, that's right. True. And it's on the opposite eye. Yeah. Well, yeah, his mirror, his mirror, mirror universe side, uh, also has the eye thing. Yeah, but he but he wears an eye patch. That the mirror one. Yes. Hmm. I, well, I I don't I don't think it's way. I don't think it's unintentional. The choices made to kind of mirror these characters. You know, that's how I look at it anyway. I think. For sure. Like, I don't know. There's a few extra characters like Billups in here and a couple others that I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they do correspond to some of the other lower, the, the lesser lower deckers like Manhaver and uh, Ensign Ellis or whatever. Also with uh, Tiana and Tendi, like Tiana's very comfortable with her sexuality, is very forward. Tendi's a lot more reserved, you know? So like, again, like the, they, they are kind of doing this mere dance with, with the lower and upper deckers true yeah i can see i can see that for sure and then um where else where are we here in the episode okay then we get to the naked time simulation which was mariner's next one uh which was maybe my fun my favorite yeah she's like oh is this the one where everyone got drunk and had sex with each other and like it was like this huge orgy going on in the cerritos cocktail lounge um shacks was a a brave choice for this episode no i think so like this is not a kid's show like it, by any means right <laughs> like, no i think uh, this this scene solidified that this is not for children to watch no this you is know? not star trek prodigy this is star trek lower decks and it's going for a different audience for sure uh, yeah they've had moments like that before but this one you're really just like okay wow they're we're going there it's... Yeah, uh, and they just Mariner just like I fail, I fail, I fail. Get me out of here! I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Um, it was it it's was pretty funny. Time. It's naked time. Um, yeah, so I just I love I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Just a quick, it was like a really fun gag. We 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 go back to uh, uh, Boimler, and he's at he's up to ninety four percent in the Borg simulation. Um, this, we get the whole thing with the senior officers. We're like, we love being lower decks. This is great. We just have to sleep in a hallway. And I love, I love Tiana's line too, where she was like, "What did you have to do? I don't know. I just went into a transporter room, waiting for people to need to use the transporter, and then the rest of the time, people <laughs> left me alone." 
that was a great line because you're like, what I just stood in the back of a conference room. I stood in the back of the conference room, and that was it. <laughs> Which is basically making fun of the extras on Star Trek shows, right? Basically, even Chief yeah. O'Brien. Like, what is Chief O'Brien doing when he's not transporting people? Nothing. He's just waiting for the next transporting thing to occur. Yeah. And there's three transporters rubbing the buffers, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure that like he gets bu- he's probably busier when they're at a planet than if they're not. But yeah, I think it's just it's just a quick like it's 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 uh, always something I was curious about. Like in Star Trek Voyager, they go in and they go, "There's somebody in the transporter room to do what?" Um, just in case, I guess they need a transporter. You never know when you need an emergency transport, really. Um, so that that was that was all talked about. They're, Why do they have scene, a medical officer working the transporter room? I don't know. Yeah, that was. I guess that just you, your your assignment was just to be not noticed, and she found a way to do that. <laughs> Uh, their whole simulation too, where they're like, "Let's you get to do the Klingon simulation," and then it became about stacking crates. They're like, "Okay, the Klingons are here, and Q is here, and everything cool is happening, but you guys need to stack these crates real stacky, right?" Uh, that, I thought that was just. They're like, "What do you mean? Why aren't we in the loop?" They're like, "Get out of here, lower decks, keep moving." Which is kind of a mirror of like one of the first episodes, I believe, where they did this gag where yeah, the lower decks are like cleaning things, and you know. And, and the you know the, uh, the important people are handling it, and they're kept out of the loop. And I think yeah, it's like here, here's a taste of your own medicine type idea here. Absolutely. And another yeah. TNG nod too with those crates, where they're like, then why did they make them this shape if they wanted us to stack them? Because those are like <laughs> the shape of the crates that they always had in the TNG cargo bays, yeah. And like the ones that fell on wharf and stuff, I think were even that shape. Like they used, yeah. they were often that shape, and it always seemed strange because. It totally was. Yeah. Like, it's just like they were like everything that's weird about Star Trek. We were going to point out uh, not just in this episode, but but (laughs) definitely in this episode, especially (laughs) in this episode. Um, (laughs) The incubation Borg babies (laughs) pretty funny. The Borg babies, everything else. Like, I think just like, like, what's going on? Just find more of them, like, to get a better score. First, he had three babies, but then he gets like six or eight babies. And it's one more percent. Riker didn't try to save those babies when he's found them. No, no, he's ransom. I think ransom is kind of like the the mirror of Riker in a lot of ways. Like, this is how we view Riker. It is. That's exactly who ransom is. Ransom is basically just a like a, a less successful Riker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who works on a California class ship, which we know is not necessarily uh, the the where the glory is. Some I like that line too. That no, most people in the fleet don't even know this uh, model exists, which is yeah. funny because we've never heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've never heard of it before. It's a new thing for this show, and <laughs> and that makes sense because they never brought it up in any in any show. You know, about <laughs> we never even see it in like one of the DS Nine battles. I don't think one of these type of ships. No. Jeff, I found that clip from the first episode that they 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 did the callback for that you referenced earlier. Keep yeah. it moving, lower decks. Keep yeah. it moving, lower decks. Exactly. Like you know, so like uh, this whole episode is kind of like having fun with that, which I really enjoy because um, I wanted to see I want to see the upper decks and the lower decks interact more. I I I I don't need it to be two different crews and two different shows. Like get them interacting more and more. And I think it's the, the go on missions together. Let's get like Shax and, uh, and Baby Boimler on a mission or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I know that uh, for sure. Um, and then 
they had to do the joint mission together, which is the next thing, right? After the Klingons, after the stacking, where like uh, they make Mariner the captain and they make uh, Freeman like the, the pilot or like the con officer. Uh, they can't even get out of the space dock. They they said, they're like, that isn't even a percentage. Because, you know, surprise, surprise, <laughs> mom and daughter can't get along. Um, and then they go to the they go to like the cocktail lounge and everything, and they're they're kind of lamenting over how bad they've done. But they're like, well, but they kind of notice how the crew is. This has had a, uh, a, a had a purpose of kind of breaking down some of those divides between the upper and lower deckers. Um, and they go, we we see what you're doing, but this is where she's she turns fully evil. And she's like, ha ha ha, that was never my plan. You guys are the worst ship in the whole fleet. <laughs> If I tried to Complete do these drills, villains sw- switch to those. It was, like, <laughs> it was so maniacally evil uh, for a Starfleet drill instructor. But okay, it was funny though how she singled them out just for failure because like everyone else passes her test so easily. Yeah, she's like, "Not you guys. You guys are the worst. You are even worse guys, than I thought." You guys abandoned like six crewmen. In, in space for six hours for a distress yeah. call <laughs> right and so it, it, the cold open uh also ties in pretty well into the right. story because they're like this is why i targeted you because you got you know freeman was like go warp time or whatever and uh you know she she kind of forgot what the hell she was doing warp, warp me. me warp me i'm sorry warp um me. sorry carol and then uh so they, they they decide in order to counter her uh they're going to basically um just First of all, they notice that Boimler is still in a simulation, so therefore they can't be failed. And then I guess they would have been all fired or discharged out of Starfleet if this had gone through. Uh, so you know, like Boimler, hold on, just stay, keep that simulation running. And then their, their plan was, which works, is they take this drill instructor basically um, on like a scary car ride. It would be like the equivalent of driving your car around really fast, saying like, "Oh, are you the driving instructor? Am I breaking the rules? Uh, well, you're gonna die unless you," because uh, they kind of blackmail her. Uh, or they don't kind of, they do. Um, they, they find a crystalline entity. It was crystalline entity day, um, you know. In space. <laughs> Lots of crystalline entities. I thought, I, I didn't know it was more than one, but apparently there was a, a bunch of them going on. Um, and so they take her there. They're going to take her to a, they tell, they tell her it's a temporal black hole. It's a real black hole. But yeah, they're like, space is dangerous, man. And we're able to kind of deal with tough situations all the time. We don't need you to tell us if we're good enough to be in Starfleet. Um and uh, so th- that works, but uh, it means that Boimler has to keep going into this simulation for an exuberantly long time, and he can't avoid these Borgs forever. And uh, you know that he meets um, that whole thing with with the Borg. They, he gets locked in there. He becomes, hence the name of the episode, uh, I Excretus. Uh, he is Excretus of Borg. There is no Boimler. I am Excretus of Borg. <laughs> I laughed out loud when he said that. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, so he got like holodeck assimilated, I guess. I don't know what that would feel like exactly, but um, <laughs> it goes away as soon as the simulation's over. It, it seemed to have a traumatizing experience for him. He's like, they've erased everything I am. Um, <laughs> he needed a drink. He needed yeah, a drink. So. Yeah, he had a rough day. <laughs> uh, and that's, I think that was like pretty much the end of the episode. Uh, there was kind of like a. Um, oh, they got the new replicator. I'm sorry, because that was the other thing. The lower decks replicator can only make one piece of pizza at a time, and they're like, "This is ridiculous. These lower deckers deserve to make two pieces of pizza at a time." Yeah, you know? and have pesto, and have pesto. Yeah, I forgot about the pesto. She's like, "What is this pesto?" <laughs> lower decks can't get pesto. Or that sweet lobster mac and cheese with the breadcrumbs on the top. Pesto's not that complicated. 
I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand. And why only one slice of pizza at a time? I'm not, I don't, I'm confused by this. Just to make I, them suffer. Just to make them, I think that's really the point they're making that, yeah, it's like there's a class system on, and maybe it's like a decision based on like the senior staff. Like it's like we had to suffer through this crap and now we've gotten to the top and now we're going to do that to you. And now in this episode, they were like, you know what? We shouldn't do that. You know, or say I, there's I, like, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, say there's like a certain amount of replicator rationing that has to be done overall on the ship. They probably just give a lot more of those rations to the upper deckers too. Well, I think that there's, there's uh, a, a, like, I always like come back to like my own experiences, my own career. Like when I was a young uh, professional starting off, right. Working in the offices and like, you know, moving up and there, there definitely is this mentality from like the generation that's ahead of you or even the two generations ahead of you. In my case, it was the, the boomers and the Gen Xers as I'm like a, one of the elder millennials. Um, and, uh, you know, they were just like, we had to put up with this shit. So, so do you. And we had to dress up for work. So, so do you. And we're like, well, people don't really dress like that anymore. People don't need to go into an office every day to do their job, but it's like, we do it. So you must do it. Or because there's this idea of like fairness. And, and also like, I think sometimes older people just have this idea of like what they have a kind of a romanticized version of what they did or uh, how much they suffered to get to where they are. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that that's completely false, but I think that, you know, they go kids these days don't have, they don't have discipline or they don't have this or that or whatever. So therefore they, they need to have uh, to be sort of forged through these tough experiences. I, that's just my observation. I think maybe a part of what this episode is trying to say. Um, so you'll wear a suit for the equivalent wage they had back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but things, ch times change. And just because it used to be one way doesn't mean it has to be that way anymore. Uh, Jeremy's just pointed out in those replicators, everything's programmed to be healthy for you. So it makes eating junk food kind of pointless. But it would also make eating foods like, yeah, everything would just taste good, right? Because everything's healthy. Uh, there's Eat no that street corn whenever you want. Couldn't you, yeah, like program like kale to taste like pizza? Like, couldn't you just, couldn't you just program that? Kale's so. already perfectly delicious the way it is, Jeff. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess for if you like kale. Yeah, I wouldn't say <laughs> like I like crispy it. kale is to die for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing with the replicators. Like, I think that. Um, I think Eddington was the one who said that they were just like reorganized protein molecules, uh, no matter what version you're eating. They, what they does he know? He can't even grow tomatoes. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? Put a seed in the ground. Watch it. It's watch really it easy. I mean, I don't yeah. understand any of that. It's hard to grow other things, but not tomatoes. Um, Do you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? Here's the, but like, uh, there is something to the fact that like Cisco's dad is a chef, and you know, and Cisco's cooking, and you get, you know, they're not far from Bajor on these days nine. And I think they're they're always excited when something's like fresh is brought. So I don't, I don't think there's nothing to that. Uh, I think they're, I mean, how good could a replicated thing be? I guess. I mean, it's kind of like a microwave dinner. I think at the end of the day. And as we've well, seen, they never quite gone on the stuff. Eddington pointed out that yeah, Cisco puts, he puts too much tarragon in that stuffing. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, well, as we've seen too, as he Eddington points out a couple of times, it, it never quite tastes the same. If you've had your lobster mac and cheese that's 
non-replicated it the replicated version is not going to quite cut it and uh i think that's where their desire for the freshness comes in um jeremy just says he'd eat brussels sprouts that tasted like chocolate let me tell you about my brussels sprouts jeremy um they're delicious Mm. Brussels you know sprouts don't smell good. You know, you know what's interesting in this episode is they got the the the, orig the original Borg Queen, the one from the movies, to do the voice of the Borg Queen in this episode. But they, they did. Had... They got Alice Creek. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was yep. Alice Creek. But they they've used the other lady that played the Borg Queen in other episodes. So it's kind of interesting that they they actually got the original person and then, but have also used the replacement person also in another. Who episode. was the one who? Who played the the Dax love interest in Rejoined? Right, as well, right, right. So Su Susanna something I think is her name. Yeah, yeah, so. um, yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't. It was, it was like only like two or three lines that the Borg Queen had in this. They brought back Alice Krieg. I was sure. Well, I think she's back like, anyway because I think she's in Picard season two. So she's might have just been hanging around the studios anyway or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wonder what they're doing. Like where they. Like I'm guessing they do this in L.A. Uh, lower decks, but like, do they shoot Picard in L.A. or do they? Because like Discovery Toronto, I think and, Picard um, is a combination of L.A. and Toronto. Like yeah. uh, they kind of do they depending on what, what they're shooting. I think a lot of the like in the season one of Picard, a lot of the exteriors were shot in California, especially like the wineries and Starfleet stuff. But there was a, most of the interiors were all shot in Toronto. Um, Nothing looks just, like France, like. LA California. Toronto <laughs> or Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh is almost entirely shot in Toronto as well. Like Toronto's become the like which is kind of uh different because every show up until Enterprise was always done in Los Angeles, always done in Hollywood. And then I guess uh then they did a bunch of movies and stuff and those were Hollywood. But yeah, I think Star Trek Discovery was the first show to break from that and produce in Canada. For better or worse. Um a lot of characters do mention that real food tastes better than replicated. Yeah. It's become a replicator. Especially the brine of Hasperat. I think yeah. Yeah, there's something to the artificial uh, ingenuity of Star Trek that, that gets tiresome on like the cruise. And this is expressed multiple times in multiple shows. But like DS9, you kind of notice it the most because like they talk about because it's a station and there's lots of people bringing things there and then there's restaurants and stuff. And it's more of like a city, whereas like on a ship, it's just like, oh, this is what we got. It's more rationing. It's more like military situation. And so for me, like that, that's kind of makes sense because it's and then the whole it makes me think of the whole money system with uh, the Ferengi. And, and it's like, OK, that actually does have a place in this world. It's one of the downsides of being in Starfleet. Um, if being in Starfleet was better across the board, everybody would be doing it, you know. But well, still, most citizens don't join Starfleet. Most people don't join Starfleet. And I, and I, what is kind of emphasized throughout all the Star Treks is like, even if you love being in Starfleet and you and you want to visit all these new worlds and whatever things, like sometimes you just want to break from living on a spaceship. Because I think living on a spaceship, uh, I think like the Voyager crew maybe didn't necessarily they had this the toughest because they you know they got to stop here and there at planets but mostly they were living on that ship for seven years and in the original timeline before admiral janeway changed it i guess it was closer to like 25 years they spent on that ship i don't know if, if i had to spend 25 years with the same 
135 people or whatever the crew of Voyager was in this like small tin can of 15 decks, it could wear on you, you know, eating the same replicated food or even eating Neelix's, you know, hair pasta or whatever the hell he's making. Um, Chasing after the same Delaney sister. Going to, the wrong Delaney sister. The wrong Delaney sister. The wrong sister. Uh, Jeremy's just pointing out, how, how come Vancouver hasn't been uh, the Canadian spot to go in film versus Toronto? That's a good question. Because That's Toronto good. looks more like a Paris. Right. <laughs> well, uh, we, do have, we do have wine here in Ontario, so and I don't think they do in Vancouver, but... I think it has to come down. Like I know that Battlestar Galactica shot in Toronto, in Vancouver, and um, a couple other sci-fi shows have been have been shot there, like in Super, Supernatural, uh, Stargate, Stargate, and things like that. Uh, it all usually comes down to just who's got the best tax incentives right now, you know, if, versus and who where can you make the most uh, budget? And I think that's maybe why Toronto is, uh, and also Toronto's kind of a. Uh, it's it's a little bit closer. It's a you know it's a bigger city than Vancouver. It's Eastern Time Zone. That might be a motivator too. Yeah, uh, I think Vancouver is more of a long haul place. Like if you want to like do a show for you know fifteen seasons, like Supernatural did, I think you want to be in Vancouver. But if you're doing like you know a few seasons, I think you want to do Toronto because Toronto, yeah, you can go back and forth between like New York. Uh, you can get to L.A. You know, you can. It's a it's a big hub, Toronto. Uh, so. That's this is purple this also, cubes are delicious, by the way. Purple cubes. In this whole conversation, also makes me think about uh, um, the show Sliders, which that's starred, a great show. I love Sliders. Star Jerry O'Connell, uh, yeah. who's the voice of Ransom. You'll never guess his secret identity, and uh, you know, and so and that Da Vinci, I, and Da Vinci. It had the guy um, John Rice Davies from uh, Indiana Jones, who was on that show. And the first two seasons are shot in Vancouver. And then they took the show to L.A. with the sh that's when the really things started to go wrong on that show. Um, but uh, yeah, like you see sometimes this where like a, like a show moves locations and like the sh like that being the most dramatic uh, change that you could possibly see. Uh, just wanted to point that out. Jerry McConnell. Oh, wait, didn't did uh, John Royce Davies didn't voice Da Vinci on the Lower Decks when Da Vinci showed up? Did he? I don't think he did. No. Um, but he was the Da Vinci on Voyager for like, yeah. was that like one or two seasons? The hologram, the Da Vinci hologram. Mm -hmm. I was glad when that hologram was over. And uh, and we this kind of came up in the D Space Nine discussion this week um, because that this we did we talked about Arman Bashir uh, Davin, and that's a holodeck episode. And Jeff was kind of saying, I don't know if I always love these holodeck episodes. This was kind of like that, but more of like a series of holodeck skits. Um, do you, where do you stand on holodeck episodes? I like them better than Mirror Universe episodes. Right. No, I generally like holodeck episodes. I mean, less. I think there's a few stinkers in TNG, like, like that. What is it? The one with the binars. Fistful of Datas. Um, yeah, the one with the binars. Fistful of Datas is not my favorite either. Um, yeah, but like there's, there's the ones with Moriarty, like, I don't dislike necessarily. There's like only the, two of them. The, the Robin Hood one, I could take or leave. Not a holodeck episode; it's a Q episode. Oh right, right, right. But everyone, but oh, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of uh, the Three Musketeers with uh, Reg. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was, like, I guess for some people, it's like, eh, like I think, what, what, like, especially on usually Voyager, take probably leave them more so than take them. But... Because like Voyager used like I, their... love, I like the more on DS Nine. DS Nine had some good ones. Even that uh, Vic Fontaine lounge. I love everything about Vic Fontaine. You don't think he was overused in season seven? No, not at all. As 
He's overused on our podcast, maybe. In fact, we wanted him more. (laughs) We wanted more Vic Fontaine. Yeah, Yeah. more Vic, please. Come on, Pallies. Come on, Pally. Hey, Hey, Pally. Hey, Pally. Listen, Pally, you got to lighten up. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be tickling the ivories or whatever you're doing, Pally. Okay, so um, <laughs> oh, oh, I love it, love it. Let, let's get into our ratings because we've kind of, uh, I think we've talked about everything we can with this episode. Uh, I'm guessing Jamil is not joining us. Um, Best holodeck deck episode though, bada bing, bada bang. Uh, oh, you know, oh, he did send us a rating, but he sent it to the chat with me and Daryl. Okay, that's okay. So let's bring this up and rate this episode. Um, I excrete us. Um, by the way, I will be out next week. So Jeff, you're uh, you're going to be leading that podcast. Oh. Uh, so whatever that's going to, we don't know what that name is going to be. But I excrete us. I'm going to start us off, and I, I liked this episode quite a bit. I, I give it a, you know, eight something, eight seven. Got the four, Jeff. Ten. I'm a ten. You're going ten. Wow, no. that's no. You get. You get like like you gave uh, to. We always have Tom Paris, uh, Jamil. I believe he's giving this rating, if I'm reading this right, a seven point three. Hmm. And Davin, over to you. Nine. Nine. Okay. That's My really favorite good. of this season. Yeah. So favorite far. so far. Uh, so averaging out at an eight point eight, uh, our second highest for this season. I'm just uh, taking a quick look to see what these so far. This has a 9.2 with only 39 ratings on IMDb, but we're going with it. Um, and and mentioned written by Ann Kim, who wrote uh, Moist Vessel in season one. And what, who did I rate, what did I rate Moist Vessel? What one was Moist, Moist Vessel? Yeah, I forget which one that was. What was Moist Vessel? Okay, well, I'll have to look up that. There, I rated it a 6.5. So that's quite a, an improvement, Ann Kim. Yeah, Moist mm. Vessel, uh, just uh, for to remind us, was when Captain Freeman... That was where, like, um, uh, Captain... Or, sorry, Mariner got promoted up to lieutenant, and she, they made her, like, a yellow shirt. Oh, and she yeah, was, like, di- she was, like, kind of in the grind of, like, working constantly and never being able to to go there. Yeah, I, and, like I think I was down on the show at that point. And I probably, uh, probably re-rate the episode higher if I have to rate it today. We can always rewatch it, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, because hey, like that—that that was where like the that was kind of like the start of the mother-daughter stuff, really. This mm-hmm. nice vessel. Yeah. Okay, so I excrete us um, eight point eight guys, pretty good. Um, and so we're only got two left for this season, I think, if I'm correct. I think there's only 10, um, 10 episodes this season. So next week is nine, the ninth episode, um, and who knows? We, we we never know anything about these episodes until about two days before they come out. Um, but I will be out next week, so uh, so you guys will be talking about that one. I will be. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys my rating after the fact. Um, and what am I forgetting? Anything else? Listen to the locutors of Trek. Listen to Locutors of Track. I was just on Debate 9 on Debate Sunday. 9. The first visual Dave came podcast. in and tried to sabotage the whole thing. No. I tried. <laughs> but failed. He failed. It, I no, threw it, my it wooden shoes well. called Sabo into them to stop it, as the Valeris would tell us. Hence sabotage. Um, hence sabotage. Uh, yeah, so next week, Star Trek D-Space 9 will be on Tuesday night. Jeff will be talking about that one. You're going to be talking about Homefront and Paradise Lost, the two-parter. Oh, so good. So yeah, good. I'm kind yeah, of bummed want... I'm missing out on this, but 
Uh, Davin, if you want to join us, you're more than welcome because we are down Dave anyway. And when's uh, that? Uh, next, Tuesday night. Tuesday, next Tuesday at nine. Yeah, I'm probably down. Definitely remind me. I will because I have a baby brain. No, I get baby it. Brain. Next yeah. Tuesday night. Um, well, no original series <laughs> next week. Our dad is still traveling abroad, and I'm also off, so we're not doing original series next Monday. Uh, still five episodes to go in our original series rewatch, and then Lower Decks next week. Also, How check many out more our. We got in Lower Decks. Only two. Oh, wow. I think. Uh, hold on. Let me confirm this because it seems like Lower Decks should actually go further because I was. Uh, yeah, it's only two left. So we'll be done oh, by dude. October 14th. Oh. And then Oct- it's not till October 28th that Star Trek Prodigy starts. So we're going to get at least a, a week or two off there, Davin, in between. I will have you on over at Locutors. Of we'll do some Locutors. Yeah. In the meantime. Oh. Um, also check out our other channels, including Trivial Debates, our monthly channel where we argue about movies, TV, sports, and more. Davin was just on that show. We, we, we have a movie round, a TV round. We argue about different subjects. Um, we had Chris Seymour hosting. Well, we do that at the last Sunday of every month. Check out that channel, which is, can be found on all of our links. And also um, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, our third channel, which is about everything TV and movies that is not Star Trek related that we like to watch and talk about, uh, including Big Brother season 23, which just wrapped last night. Jeff and, I, and Jamil and I were up till 1 a.m. talking about the finale. Uh, and then we're going to be back tonight, actually, in about an hour and a half to talk about uh, the second episode of the new season of Survivor, season 41, um, called the, the episode called Juggling Chainsaws, because we need to catch up from last night because it did air last night. But so much going on. Who can keep up? So those are all those things, and I'm going away, and I'm not podcasting for a week. But appreciate you guys move, keeping things moving. That's gonna be good. All right, I think that's mm. it. Uh, thank you for the podcast, guys, and thanks to ratings. Yeah, and we can sign off for tonight. And uh, you know, let's. Let, I think well, let's bring the banner back up. And I think we know the perfect uh, clip to go out on. As we say, live long in podcast. Have a great night. It is. Oh, thank you.